Hello, and welcome to the Teaching Literacy Podcast. I am your host, Jake Downs. I am very grateful to have you here uh, for me to talk today a little bit about reading comprehension. Uh, If you've listened to my past several episodes that have been released sort of haphazardly over the last few months, I've been on hiatus while I finish my dissertation, and uh, that has been submitted, and my committee is reviewing it right now, and I I hope there'll be some great results from that. And so I have a little bit more time to fulfill a couple of commitments that I left for you back in January. Uh, In January, I said that I was doing a three-part series sort of on models of reading comprehension, and I did part one, and then, uh, you know, time (laughs) slipped right past. So this will be part two, where I talk specifically about the model of reading comprehension that I find the most beneficial when thinking about reading comprehension, when talking with teachers about it, and when designing instruction for it. And then the next episode will sort of be a a one-off as well, where I talk specifically about reading strategies, comprehension strategies, and sort of the the controversy around that and the merits as well, some of the the weaknesses or limitations of those. And after that, uh, it should just be back to the normal scheduled programming of um, I invite literacy researchers and scholars, uh, deep thinkers in reading instruction uh, to participate on the show and tell us what they've learned through their research. So uh, it is it is so good to be back. Thanks for being here with me. So the model of reading comprehension I want to talk about, and if, if you want to back up to uh, the, you know the previous episode where I talked about a few other models, the one that I appreciate the very most, um, there's a couple different names for it, but the, the one that's most common is the construction integration model of reading. And it was developed by a researcher named Walter Kinch. And there's a lot of reasons why I like this model. I'm not going to be able to go into full depth with all of those reasons, nor am I able to give the construction integration model in its full, complete detail. It's just a little bit too meaty for one single podcast episode. It is a little bit complex. It took me some time to really wrap my brain around it. Um, but but it was worth it because I, I, I feel I see reading instruction happening in the classroom much, much clearer. So just to open, to get us thinking about uh, reading comprehension and models of reading comprehension, I have a quote from uh, Duke, Pearson, Strachan, and Billman, and, you know, Nell Duke and P. David Pearson, very, very big names in reading research, and this is from a chapter they did in 2011, and they quote, they say, over the past 20 years, cognitive psychologists have reached a broad consensus on the nature of comprehension. Of all the current models of comprehension, Kinch's construction integration model is recognized as the most complete and fully developed. And so the the group of people they're referring to is is cognitive psychologists, right? Researchers who study the brain and how the brain actually processes text. And so it stands to reason that uh, if we want our instruction to be effective, then we need to align our instruction with how the brain is actually processing information. Now, there's some jumps that have to happen in between there, which is where literacy research comes involved to find out what practices align with that. Uh, But I, I think we have a good base to talk about the Kinch's construction integration model and how we can align, better align our structure, instruction with it, or better be thinking about how we might align our instruction with it. So just take a step back. When we're thinking about what things are going to promote reading comprehension, we can come up with a whole list of them. And this is what, like the simple view of reading and Scarborough's rope, this is part of what those models of reading attempt to do, is they attempt to say, if we want to produce readers that uh, can can comprehend text effectively, then these are the things we need to attend to. So some of those things 
oral language, phonemic awareness, the alphabetic principle, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, those are all major predictors of reading comprehension. In other words, that if we support kids in becoming more fluent readers, meaning that they can read smoothly, accurately, and, and with appropriate expression and tone, then we are also likely as a sort of latent effect or a side effect, a good side effect, is that we're going to also likely to promote their reading comprehension. And the same goes for phonics, phonemic awareness, word recognition, that when we support those um, prerequisite skills or, or sub-skills or foundation skills, whichever you know term you want to call it, we're going to also support reading comprehension. That, that's why we teach it, right, is that it's going to help kids process text more effectively and efficiently. Uh, however, I, I strongly contend that there comes a time where we have to teach reading comprehension directly, where we, we, we can't just rely on sort of increasing the, the sub-skills and, you know, ad infinitum before we, before we talk about supporting reading comprehension. Now, we have to do both, right? I'm, I'm, I will not say for a second we need to neglect those skills, because we do. Kids need to read fluently, right? Kids need to understand the alphabetic principle and be able to read, uh, you know, using phonics and decoding skills. So, so those are an important part of it. But what I am saying is as students develop proficiency in those, and while students are developing proficiency in those, we need to attend to helping their reading comprehension skill and ability. So, recap. We need to be teachers of reading comprehension as much as we are teachers of the foundations of reading comprehension. We need to do both, and we need to do both really well. So what do we mean by reading comprehension? I, I find it interesting that reading comprehension, it's a term that we sort of throw around a lot, but we don't ever really particularly define what it means and define what it means clearly. And I, I hope my definition here will not, uh, you know, confuse or, or sort of take away from that thought. But but I do think when we're thinking about reading comprehension, it will help if we have a target of what we specifically mean by reading comprehension. And the way the way Kinch talks about it, the way Kinch talks about it, and the way uh, other linguists that have, have worked in this area have talked about it, is we're really talking about mental representations of the text when we're talking about reading comprehension. Uh, I'll say that again: reading comprehension are mental representations of the text. So let's let's break let's break that down, right? Mental meaning the brain, representation meaning how is the brain taking the text and making meaning from that or how is the brain taking the the text in front of the eyes and and so to speak make a map of what that text is saying. That's what we really mean when reading comprehension. So when we're teaching reading comprehension, when we are instructing our students to become better comprehenders of reading, what we're really trying to do is to help their help them develop more accurate and higher level representations of the text in their head. There's a problem to this though, and and I'm sure if you've ever taught reading comprehension, you've you've ran into this before because really comprehension is is thinking, right? When we're talking about developing mental representations or being able to map out a, a text, you know, mapping is, is in quotes there, um, we find very quickly that really comprehension is thinking. We're as much teaching kids how to think about a text, and we're scaffolding our thinking of the text in order to help them understand it. And so comprehension, it is cognition, and that means that it's complex. It means it's multifaceted and means 
it's nuanced. And there's a great um, there's a great quote by Kukan and colleagues, also from 2011. Uh, 2011 must have been a great year. But uh, this quote is, uh, we found the majority of teachers in this study, so that they did a study um, that where, the, where they gave different texts to teachers, and they asked teachers to sort of analyze these texts and identify uh, strengths and weaknesses of the text, how the text was structured, and sort of be able to piece apart the text uh, as an indicator of how they might teach it to their students. So what, what Kukan and colleagues found is, we found the majority of teachers in this study demonstrated very limited ability to analyze the text in meaningful ways. We connect this lack of expertise to a larger construct, namely that teachers were not working from a model of text comprehension. So to summarize, what Kukan and colleagues are saying here is that the teachers in their study weren't able to sort of piece apart a text and, and identify ways that they could teach it. And they and, and Kukan and colleagues, they, they attribute part of this to the fact that the teachers didn't have a model of text comprehension or they didn't understand how text comprehension worked, ergo they, they couldn't really piece apart a text in order to teach it. And I will raise my hand right here to say I am as guilty as anyone in this. And in, in my early years of teaching, my basic, what I, I guess what I did with reading comprehension, and I hate admitting this, is it's just, I'm going to, let's, let's, you know, read till we puke in our classroom. Like, let's read and read a lot. And I'm just going to kind of ask a lot of questions and, and just sort of spray kids with text and I, and hope something sticks. And it was very ad hoc. It was very, uh, sort of splintered and jagged, and I didn't really, I just felt like with reading comprehension, there was so much to teach, and it was all sort of divided into all of these different parts, and I didn't know what to teach when or which parts were more important, so I just, you know, following the guide from the, the teacher's guide, just sort of, you know, went through the material and, and hoped something stuck, and and I, I hate admitting that because that's really the, you know, let's throw spaghetti on the wall and, and see if something sticks, but um, well, that's part of the reason um, why I ended up doing graduate school and, and, you know, great things have happened from that. But one thing, one outcome of that is that in the last several years, I feel I have a good working model of text comprehension now. And so now when I approach a text, I'm able to say, well, what does this text afford? What is it doing really well? And how might I teach that? And so in other words, to, to summarize from Kukan and colleagues, it's if, if we're going to teach text effectively, if we're going to teach text comprehension effectively, we have to have a model uh, for doing it. If we don't have a model of text comprehension of how the brain processes text, we're going to be less than effective teachers. So linking that back to Duke and colleagues is that we should follow a model that's that's very well advanced and, and you know, certainly not complete yet, um, but the most progressed out of all of them, and that would be Kinch's construction integration. So circling back to our definition of reading comprehension, reading comprehension are mental representations of the text. And the way that Kinch breaks it apart, and by the way, Kinch has been doing this research, um, you know, since some of his earlier, well, some of his earliest publications are in the late 1970s, which are really interesting. And then um, sort of in the mid to late 80s is, is when Kinch sort of hones in on this construction integration model and starts piecing these different areas together. Um, but then there's, you know, publications in the early 2000s. He has a, a book called Comprehension, a Paradigm for Meaning, I think it's called. Um, and even, you know, 2019, um, he has a really good uh, chapter in Theoretical Processes of, of Literacy book that uh, sort of lays it out. So this is, this is research that's spanning, you know, decades. And then there's other 
um, there's other researchers that have sort of taken on that mantle as well. So that's, it's not like this is, you know, one off a single paper that we're talking about. This is a, a, a field of work that's, that's been happening. All right, back to Kinch. So when Kinch is talking about how we process text, um, what, what he's really saying and what the construction integration model is really saying is we can think about there being sort of three levels of, of mental representations when we are reading a text from the most simple to the most complex. And when we're reading, that's sort of how we progress. And depending on the text and our background and our motivations, um, that we might have um, we might have a more advanced representation of the text, we might have a less advanced representation of the text. Um, so what those three representations are is first would be surface level, which is basically just the text and, and the the raw processing of the text. So he doesn't necessarily talk about it this way, but I sort of conceptualize it as you know, things like phonemic awareness and phonics and fluency. That would all sort of fall into this surface level of, of text, of, of the, the surface level of the mental representation of just pulling the text off the page. Um, Kinch doesn't talk about this level a lot. I don't really talk about this level a lot because, you know, to me, like I said, this is where um, those foundation skills of reading are coming into play. So past that, assuming that a student has those foundational skills in check, uh, has, has developed proficient foundational skills, we're really going to be talking about two different levels of text comprehension. The first one would be the base level or basic level or text-based level, and the other would be a situation level. And these are important because as we understand the difference between a more basic level of text comprehension versus a more advanced level of text comprehension, we can sort of decide when we're going to teach uh, different parts to help a student sort of build comprehension with the text. So the basic level or the text-based level of comprehension, that's the process of what Kinch calls construction, right? Construction integration, right? Construction is going to happen first, and then we're talking about integration. And so with construction of a text, uh, this is where the reader, in the, in the uptake of print from the page, uh, this is where they create a basic representation of what the text is saying in their head. Um, P. David Pearson and, and Gina Cervetti, um, and I think a couple different places, they refer to this as what the text says. So in other words, when, when, when we're reading a text and we're in this construction phase, our brain is just sort of getting a, a gist level understanding of, of what the text is saying. And so the, the critical parts of, of the construction part are um, what well, Kinch calls them microstructures and macrostructures. And if you want to listen to more about those, you can go back to my interview with uh, D. Ray Reitzel back uh, like episodes four and five because he talks about Kinch as well. I'm not going to go too far off into the weeds because I, I start saying those terms and eyes glaze over. But basically, what really matters with the construction element is everything it takes to understand a paragraph. So this is where word meaning comes into play, right? If you don't understand the word, then you're going to have a hard time being able to understand what that word means in, in, in context. But also, uh, this is where, uh, you know, even things like, like grammar, or punctuation, those are all microstructures within a text that, that help facilitate meaning. Uh, we can also talk about, Kinch talks about atomic propositions, which we're not, I'll simplify that. Uh, an atomic proposition is basically uh, the ideas within a sentence, within a paragraph, and, and how they're, you know, relating to one another. And so, you know, we could say out that, uh, you know, the boy went out and chopped down a tree. And so we know that the relation there is that there's a boy and there's a tree, 
and that the the boy is taking an axe and that is the object that's cutting down the tree and so we through our reading we're able to sort of take that very at the sentence level and maybe even up to the paragraph level take these nouns and verbs and adjectives off of the page and sort of map out the idea of how these things are related to one another um and, and that's that's important. Uh, we don't think about that a lot when we're reading because we're just sort of gliding, we're, you know, we're cruising along. But those things within a paragraph of how these ideas are related to one another, they do matter with building comprehension. He also talks about macro structures, which is, this is where things like, um, you know, genre or text structure, or story grammar come into play. Uh, for example, if, if, well, let's talk about like informational text, you know, you've got sequencing, you've got compare and contrast, cause and effect, you have several different, I think there are five or six different types of text structures, and uh, they do affect how you are constructing meaning from the text. So, for example, if you think that um, you're reading a sort of sequence text, a text that's sort of, you know, first, next, then, after, but really you're reading a problem-solution text, uh, your, your, your understanding of that text is going to be greatly limited because you didn't pick up on how the author has structured this, this, this text. And so the idea here is, is that uh, we're forming a basic, a basic idea level representation of the text. We're forming what the text is saying. And we're not worried, I mean, background knowledge is going to play a huge part here in a second. So we, I don't want to neglect background knowledge for one second, but, you know, you can have limited background knowledge in an area and still be able to produce a gist level understanding. Background knowledge is going to enhance that. But right now we're, we're really focused on just what the text is saying uh, almost explicitly of, of what the, we're just focused really on what the text is saying. Now, once you have this construction level, the Kinch calls this a, a text base. And to me, this is sort of like the, um, you know, this is sort of like we have uh, our working model of the text, of what, we're know, of what we know the text says. So now that we know what the text says, we can actually go deeper with it to the integration component, which is where we're going to figure out um, what the text means. So that the text, so just to summarize, the, the text base, um, this would be more like, you know, like a DOK1 or maybe a DOK2, uh, and, and Kinch doesn't really talk about it using these terms either, um, but based on my read of it, that it's sort of just a very, you know, simple, uh, almost a, a retelling of the text, um, where we're almost just a simple retelling of the text. And then that's, that's where we're sticking with what the text says. Now, after our brain has sort of figured out what the text says, we, we move on to what the text means. And so we move from a text base or a basic understanding of the text to a situation model, which is our brain models what the situation is going on in the text. And so there's two major ingredients during the integration component. And these two shouldn't surprise anyone, but the first one is personal experience. Um, and the second one is content knowledge. So essentially background knowledge is a huge component in getting to a meaning representation of the text or what the text means. Um, and so we, we, there's been a lot that's been talked about with background knowledge and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to undermine any of that, but background knowledge is not as much as if it matters, but it's when it matters. It's once we have a basic understanding of the text, then our background knowledge is able to help us integrate it to becoming what the text means. And this would be um, a, a situation model. And, and, and Kinch in his 2019 
um, chapter on this, he talks about that more work needs to be done to understand the integration component and the situation model better. But essentially, this is where the brain synthesizes both like within and across the text, but also from other texts, uh, background knowledge, um, content knowledge, everything that the brain knows to make a, a working model of the text. And so one example I think is it really helps sort of display this difference between uh, construction and integration would happen from the book Holes. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with Holes. If you're not, I'm totally going to spoil the ending. So you might want to skip ahead a few minutes if you don't want the ending of Holes spoiled. But uh, there's the part at the end where um, Stanley is carrying Zero up the mountain, right, to the top of God's thumb. And so what a text base or a basic representation of that would be the reader being able to retell back exactly, you know, what happens. It's been a while since I've read the book, but, um, you know, I think Zero, he's either tired or he's passed out. So that would be the reader being able to, you know, retell back that Zero can't make it up the mountain. So Stanley, you know, picks him up and hauls him up to the top of the mountain and then they get there and they're just so exhausted that they, they just basically sort of pass out and sleep. And then they're up there and eat onions for, you know, like a week or something. Whereas an integration level or a what the text means level or an understanding level, that's where you can make the connection that, oh, by Stanley carrying Zero up the mountain, that broke the curse from Stanley Yelnats, no good, dirty, rotten, great, great, great pig still and grandpa. That's what broke the curse because Zero is the descendant of Madame Zeroni and Stanley is the descendant of of the original Stanley Yelnats, or of, I know it was Mira, I think, uh, I can't remember the name, Elia? Elia Yelnats. So that sort of distinguishes the difference between text-base, situation model, or construction and integration. In construction, we're just worried about retelling the text back. Of It's just what's going on in the text. But now with integration, we're sort of saying, this is what the meaning is from the text. And this is where schema plays a huge role. And this is where sort of building knowledge, there's been a lot of talk lately about building knowledge. This is where it comes into play where we're synthesizing across text and across background knowledge and across domain knowledge to build what the text is meaning and ultimately build knowledge. And so just to sort of, that's, that's just a quick rundown of it. But when we're talking about those three levels of representation, right, we first have the surface level, which would just like be the text on the page and what it takes just to read that. But then we have the text base level, which is where it's a basic understanding of the text, where it's what the text says. And then we move to an integration level where we move to what the text means or a situation model of it. Now, one reason why this is super duper important um, is because, and Ray Reitzel points this out in my interview with him, P. David Pearson and Gina Cervetti talk about this in some of their publications. Those are names that we should pay attention to with reading comprehension, that um, the common core state standards are largely based off of Kinch's construction integration model of reading. So if, if nothing else, um, we should pay attention to Kinch simply because that's the game we're playing. When, we are, when we're teaching students, when we are assessing students, that they are being taught and assessed via the common core state standards. So if we understand Kinch, my major contention is we can understand why the common core is structured the way it is. And so if we if we look at this, right, the 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 10 uh well there's, you know, the 9 uh literacy and the nine informational standards, uh, those are divided up into sort of three clumps. And the first one is key ideas and details. 
Those are microstructures. Those are where we're figuring, helping figure out what the text means. The second one is craft and structure, right? Like text structure. So the first six standards in the, 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 the literacy and informational standards in the Common Core State standards, those are all about the construction aspects of reading. And so we can see with the Common Core that the Common Core is very text heavy. In other words, we're really, really worried or we're really focused on being able to make meaning based on what the text is saying explicitly. And then the next three standards, seven, eight, and nine, the, the title of that is Integration of Knowledge and Ideas. Almost word for word what Kinch says, right? The integration part. So this is where we're more this is where we're more focused and concerned on synthesizing and blending across different uh, student knowledge, different texts, different no domain knowledges to be able to build meaning and build knowledge. So for example, if we think about some of the construction standards, um, standard standard one, read closely to determine what the text says explicitly. Uh, we are focused, that one's focusing on what the text says. Make logical inferences from it, making so we're making sure we know what the text says. Cite specific textual evidence when writing or speaking to support conclusions drawn from the text. Those, All of those in there, that very first standard is it's, we are focused on can we say what the text says and we can we prove that that's what the text is saying. Uh, what about the standard three? Analyze how and why individuals, events, and ideas develop and interact over the course of a text. Remember I talked about propositions and how with propositions the, the brain is concerned about sort of mapping out the different objects within a, with, within a text and, and their relationship to one another. And so that's how ideas develop and interact over the course of a text. Um, so with those first three standards, we're focused on, we're sort of zooming into the text and looking at specific, you know, paragraphs, specific sentences, even specific words across the text to be able to build what the text is saying. Standards four, five, and six, however, are more concerned with zooming out and looking at how the text, um, how the text is structured as a whole. So for example, standard five, analyze the structure of texts including how specific sentences, paragraphs, and larger portions of the text relate to each other and the whole. So in other words, it's, it's with text structure, we're not just focused on can a student identify that this is a compare and contrast text, but we're also interested in can they talk about how different parts of the text relate to each other and to the whole. In other words, can we talk about why the author is structuring this text in a particular way? How does that help her be able to generate, how does that help her craft the point that she is trying to make overall in the text. Uh, for example, standard six, assess how point of view or purpose, or purpose, assess how point of view or purpose shapes the content and style of a text. So in other words, we're trying to figure out why does the author's point of view, how does that, or characters within the text, how do these shape how the text is written? And that's going to take us sort of zooming out and looking at the text as a whole. Um, and those are construction elements of it, where we're focusing on what the text says. Now when we get to integration, standard 7, 8, and 9, we're more focused on what the text means. So for example, standard 7 says, integrate and evaluate content presented in diverse media and formats, including visually and quantitatively, as well as in words. So in other words, um, we're not just 
focus on the text anymore, but we're saying, how does a graphic feature help integrate and support our knowledge of the text? How does watching a short video clip that provides uh, perhaps background knowledge uh, needed to understand the text, how does that support our understanding of the text? Um, how does another text help support our understanding of this text? So rather than sort of digging deeper within the text, now we're worried about, can we go laterally to other pieces of uh, other modes of information that are going to help us uh, build meaning and build knowledge with it. Uh, what about standard nine? Analyze how two or more texts address similar themes or topics in order to build knowledge or to compare the approaches the authors take. And again, that's we're focusing on, we're going horizontal now. Let's look across texts to, and, and in doing so, we're going to build knowledge. And so what I love about the Kinch's construction integration model that I don't see in either the simple view of reading or uh, the reading rope is that it helps us understand when we should be teaching different parts of the text. So when, I, when I'm doing my first read through of a text with students, I'm going to really focus on us saying what the text means. So I'm gonna be heavy with vocabulary. I'm gonna be doing a lot of think aloud to model how I'm making sense of this text. We're going to track different characters or different themes or ideas across of it. And we're gonna look at sort of how the structure of the text is made. Those are all things I'm gonna focus on a lot when I'm first reading a text. As we get proficient with that text, um, and, and you know, that it's not as clean cut as this, but while we're developing proficiency with the text, I'm going to see, okay, now can I integrate other sources of information to help a student build knowledge from this text? Or can we, um, you know, can we compare, sort of compare and contrast two different texts? And um, in the end, you know, can we use this text to help build a student's knowledge? And, and now I understand the Common Core State Standards and their structure much better than I did before, and it helps me truly when I'm teaching a text. It's okay. When when do I want to teach which? And um, and and I feel this map helps me do that well. If you're interested in learning more about the construction integration model, uh, like I said, you can go back to D. Ray Reitzel's interview with me. Um, he has a book, it's I think 2017, uh, 2016, that he wrote with Dr. Sarah K. Clark, Cindy D. Jones, and Sandra L. Gillum, where they talk uh, more about Kinch's construction integration model. It's specifically focused with K2, but I, I think it has certainly a lot of applicability um, grades K through six. So I hope I did the construction integration model justice. Uh, this was just a brief overview. If you're confused, I'm so sorry. You might wanna to listen to some of this again and see if you can piece apart my ramblings on it. Um, if I erred in any way, if, if there's people out there really familiar with construction integration and wanna help me with my understanding and explanation of it, uh, please reach out to me. I'd, I'd like to hear feedback on that. That is all I've got for today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Teaching Literacy Podcast. The next episode, we'll be talking specifically about reading strategies. And um, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a colleague. Go and find someone and say, hey, I, I, there's this great podcast that's called the Teaching Literacy Podcast, and I found this episode really beneficial. Maybe maybe you will too. And that's really word of mouth is how this podcast grows. I don't do a lot with social media. I don't do a lot of sort of self-promotion because I'd rather spend my time on doing good work in other areas of my life. So if you can help me support the show by 
uh, sharing it with a colleague or even leaving a review, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, go out there and keep supporting those kiddos that you're teaching. And until next time, let's go and teach reading just a little bit better. Thank you.